Ds. What about the murderous Js? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Js. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. We were just talking a little bit during the break there. Like, Jabari or Shingun, who are you more bullish on their future? I think that Jabari has a bigger upside. I do too. I think that we've seen a lot of what Shingun is going to be when he's at his best throughout his career. Great footwork, another great passer chance to be good and, and above average offensively. I don't think there's a lot you can change defensively except for between his ears. When he understands defensive concepts and rotations and switches and, and things like that, he will be better. But I don't think that you can be you can expect this guy to be like an, an above average defender. And so you're going to have to, you know, you just supplement your roster and realize if I need a defending big, he might not be in the game or he'll be moved around because I'm going to need someone that can be a good low post defender that can guard some of the bigger centers in this league and stay out of foul trouble. But I think from a Jabari perspective, this is why we were so high on him coming out because he can play multiple positions. We were just talking in the break. He can be your stretch five center for for small segments of the game when you want to catch a defense off guard and Mm -hmm. take advantage, but he can shoot the three. He can put it off the dribble. Which we he hadn't can, seen before. And he can, a whole lot. He can defend. He can block shots. And he's athletic. So as he continues to fill out and get stronger when he as he continues to mature, there's reason to believe his upside is massive. Yeah. I, I, maybe that's why I'm bullish on them is because, look, I, I believe in Ime Adoka. And I believe him, believe that he can you know, bring out the potential of these players. High on Jabari. I think Shingun still got some in the tank, too. Do I think he's closer to his ceiling than Jabari? I do. But I think Shingun can be a, like a solid, really good player on an NBA team. I'm bullish on Jalen Green. I know you're not nearly as bullish. And I've liked what I've seen, the small doses of Amin Thompson. Like his speed, his athleticism, his length, his passing prowess for, for that position is like admirable. Like that, That's going to be a problem. And what Joe and I were talking about while you are getting a little bit of the water he has to be for for a men to be like a really good point guard in the NBA. He's going. It's not even a percentage question about the three point shooting. He's going to have to force a defense to at least respect the shot yes, to yes, where they're yes, not absolutely. sagging Look, off of him and in the paint trying to defend him. The worst case scenario is he he cannot be Ben Simmons. He cannot do everything but be able to shoot the basketball and have teams absolutely daring him or Russell Westbrook later in his career for that matter yeah. to where you basically say I'm going to I'm going to take away a majority of your game by giving you a 5 foot cushion and saying you will not get by me no matter how quick you are I'm daring you to shoot the basketball now if your ego and coupled with your ability says I still have to shoot this shot I'm going to win more times than not and yeah. that's something you got to avoid so as long as he's not Ben Simmons and it looks like he has the mechanics, and he doesn't have a... Ben Simmons' biggest thing is between his ears, too. He has zero confidence, and he has, he's scared to death to shoot the basketball. I don't think Amen Thompson is the same kind of guy. And I think that he, because we hear he's a gym rat, he will be in the gym working on this shot, I think, tirelessly until he gets it right. Mm-hmm. And that's something that why... That's why another reason why I would never kibosh a kid like everybody was kind of, oh, this is a problem. He, he's a gym rat. He's in the gym too much. Not unless he becomes the next Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, you can never be in the gym too much, in my opinion. And I mean, you just name a bunch of really good basketball players. Like I don't, think, I don't think that's a problem, right? So I'm saying it's not a problem, and I and I fully expect that this kid's work ethic will have him shooting it better and better as his career progresses. He's got he shoots from his hip a little bit, but if he's not going to be like an elite three point shooter and he's somebody that defenses aren't respecting, like I think he can get away with it. Now I do think that they're probably going to try to change that. I think they're going to definitely. They I was going to say from his hip. part of it's going to be he has to get stronger first. But they're going to minimize the 
the gather, so to speak. Yeah, it's a long when gather. You, when you gather and start so low as a big man, that's where the ball gets taken away a lot. If you can start gathering from like the, the, the mid-chest level up, and then when you extend, no one's blocking that shot, and it's going to be more of a wrist flick and just keeping it online, and I think he's fully capable. Yeah, he stars it at his belt buckle right now. Exactly. It, it's not... Doesn't look great, but hopefully it's something that he can fix. And I don't think he's going to be dependent on it either. Like if he's a, if he's a thirty percent three point shooter, I think it's a win for the Rockets. I think it's a success. As long for the as Rockets. he's not Ben Simmons yeah. or Russell Westbrook, Ben I Simmons think, won't even shoot it anymore. No, first of all, the layup is one thing, which was absolutely horrific. Oh yeah, but from that, even even still, it's something about the NBA too. Because I don't need to see any more videos of him in a pickup ball YMCA gym or a, a private gym workout. When you get the the lights on. You tighten up, and you don't shoot it well. And going back to my Rockets days, we, you can't be an All-American practice player that is afraid to shoot the basketball in an NBA game. We had Dan Lange, uh, who was unfortunately uh, the Rockets got in exchange for Eduardo Nahara, who had a really good career oh, with the Mavs. Samson loves Nahara. Yeah, and he was just a gamer. Okay, we get Dan Lange in, play, in practice. He was killing everyone on a daily basis. And every time Rudy put him in the game and said, Come on, Dan, let me see some of that something for practice. Dan puckered up and went home and couldn't do it wrong right. And it's like, man, there's just some guys where it's between the ears. Was that late 90s? We 90? were still practicing at Westside, so yeah. That was like after the championships. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it was like, yeah, it was definitely the, I think it was the pajama, the pinstripe pajama year. I remember Lange. 6670, do y'all think Jabari can be 80, 90% of Tatum in this system? Mm-mm. I think they're totally different players. Yep. I don't, I don't think you want – I mean, sure, everybody would love to have Jason Tatum. I think Tatum is more of a wing than Jabari. Tatum, Tatum's, in my mind, more of a three. Me like too. The, And I don't think he's big enough physical enough to be a four, and I don't think he's quick enough to be a two, but he's a perfect three. Yep. Whereas Jabari's going to play multiple positions, and he's going to play all of them fairly well. I think his true position in the NBA, if you had to pick one, is a stretch four. I, I think he's more of a four. Like I think he's more of a four. Tatum's more of a three. Now it was it was weird. They were giving Jabari like the outlet passes, and they were letting him bring it up the floor, which is like okay, that's never going to happen. But it's kind of encouraging that they trust him to do it. But I, I, I mean, don't think he's a guard. You want him to be more like Durantish, where he's got size, but he he brings yeah. the ball up. But you again, you I don't can't, think his handles are there. Ball security is so important in the NBA that you can't have a guy that runs the risk of turning it over just because you want to see if he can bring it up. It's fine in the summer league. But leave the guys that are supposed to be bringing the ball up, making decisions, and just do what you're supposed to do. Finish. Yeah. It's more of a kick out. Can yep. you beat your guy off the dribble, or are you rising and firing? Well, like that's why I wanted Van Vliet, because he knows the difference between when he's got to rise and shine and when he's got to get it in the other people's hands because they're wide open. Yeah, yeah, that's what it needs to be. I don't want Jabari like initiating the offense, especially with what you have. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Astros moves that they need to make before the break. 713-780-ESPN. Or immediately after the break, I should say. Uh, 713-780-3776. What sticks out to you? Moves the Astros need to make immediately after the break. This is inspired by climbing Towels Hill. They put together four of those. We'll get to theirs in a second. But what is it for you? What is is a move that the Astros need to make immediately after the All-Star break? Well, I I mean... I don't know if it's immediate. I think Dana Brown needs to put the pedal down and really use, once the draft is behind him and the all-star break where the general managers are meeting and talking as part of it, he needs to put the pedal down and he needs to find what they need. And I think first and foremost for me, they need to find another pitcher for that rotation that gives them the insurance policy that he talks about. They need to find one more steady, reliable arm that can 
can either be a beneficial extra to what they already have, assuming everybody gets healthy and right in the case of Javier, or is fully capable of taking one of those spots if one of those guys isn't capable of kind of leaving, living up to expectation. Can it be Urquidy? It could. Well, I'd say I don't. I, even Urquidy at his best, I don't think is a one, two, three. No, I think he's more of a four. But I think if he's if he's if he's back to old Urquidy to be your four, then it eases some of that concern for me. But I I understand the the young guys rotating through the the four five five four five six four fives at the back of the rotation. As we get closer to playoff time, I need to see that because we know injuries happen in the case of Lance in the playoffs a couple years ago. I need to see that I have four quality starters that are capable of whenever I call on them, they're going to get guys out. They're going to keep you in the game. See, I think Arcadi and, and uh, France are in a higher tier than Blanco Belak. Fair. Like, I, Fair. I, I, I trust France and Arcadi as my number four, number five. So, like, if you get Arcadi back, France and Arcadi are your four, five, your top three are. Uh, Fromber, Javier Brown, like that. That sounds well, okay. Javier's still worried. That sound. That's that's the issue. Like if right. Javier was pitching well, then I think you can live with Fran with well, France and Arquini exactly. as your four or five. I'm not even looking at the rotation if I know Javi's going to be what he's been in the past. But if Javi's going to be what he was leading up to the All Star break, now I not only need an insurance policy, I need an insurance policy plus, and that concerns me because you're right. If we knew everything that you just said. Then I'm looking at a bat. Yeah, if Javier is Javier, then I'm cool with France and Urquidy. Then you'll make it through, and I got no worries. Yeah. Yep. I would like them to add a starter so they can go to a six-man rotation immediately. So you, so now you're kicking out Blanco. Yeah, I'm kicking out Blanco. Because right now, right now you're well, six-man rotation. I would like to keep Blanco up because He's your long guy. I would like to go to a six-man rotation, That's and I would like buddy. to do some piggybacking <laughs> of Hunter Brown. See, I don't, think you can, I don't think you have enough roster spots. Because now you're like, and, and here's the other thing with Blanco. He's got to work on his sequencing. He's got to work on like learning how to pitch, pitch. And I think he belongs in Sugarland right now, trying to understand and develop and use his change more and his off-speed pitches more, and then kind of calculate through hitters and work on that at the AAA level, so that next year he's the kind of pitcher taking a step up that you need. But right now, you can't have experimentation on the fly with a guy that when he's not sequencing right and he's just grooving fastballs, he gets knocked around. Could you add in? Another starter, and then last year when they started with Javier, he was in the bullpen, and then when they would want to go to a six-man rotation, they would move him out. He only, he only you, pitched like five games out of the pin last could year. Could you though. do that with J.P. France? Like, could you no, have I don't want to screw France. with him. He's pitching too well. Yeah, I don't want to screw with him because he is pitching well. He's I don't want to screw with him in the bullpen. He's got your second-best ERA. He's yeah. not pitching Jake, too well. This is not Jake Odorizzi to me, and, and they like him. Too, they like France, too, because I don't think a lot of people like Jake. Uh, although in the locker room, they'll tell you that he was a great dude. Um, I'm not screwing around with J.P. France at this point. No. He's found a groove. He's stretched out. He's doing what he's supposed to do. I'm not screwing with him. It's just that I, with Hunter Brown with that pitch count, it's very Javier-like. And, like, you, you need someone to piggyback one of those guys. It could be Blanco. Blanco can piggyback him. Yeah. Blanc, yeah he's got I – mean, look, he came into the – he made this roster as a bullpen guy. You can bring him in as a bullpen guy – and his stuff is good enough to get you three out. So if you're going piggyback with, which I don't love the idea of a Hunter Brown piggyback unless it's a five-man rotation and they're worried about his innings, how, how deep is Brown going into a game? Four? 80, 80 pitches. 80 pitches. So you're going more pitches than innings, which is the right way to do it. So let's say they get you four or five innings. Blanco goes two to three innings, and you're in the back end of your bullpen. That's great. So it's like, so it's to me, it's either you go piggyback or you get a, a six starter like Lance Lynn, who's like, Turning the season around pretty yeah, quickly. I don't hate that. Like, get someone, especially because, like, the reports out of Chicago is that they're going to start dealing now, and there's only four guys that are untouchable. And the is Giolito going to be too expensive? No. 
He's a rental. I would take Giolito before I would take Lance Lynn. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Sure. I think the cost, though, might get him out of your range. If I was to say to you guys, take Otani and the big, big, big names out of the picture and say, what would be your your dream wish pitcher? There's a bat, too. We could do this later. But what would be your dream wish pitcher, pitcher that you that is realistic? It might be Giolito. I, I know the one that I really want, and I've wanted all season long. I just don't think that it's realistic from like what it would cost is Shane Bieber. Yeah, see, I think it's interesting, too, with the Guardians. Like, What are they're, the Guardians going to do? Exactly, because I'm looking at they're a team that's sell. in flux at, at year to year, and especially this year. We don't know what they're going to do, but Shane Bieber would be the perfect guy that's got experience, that's been really, really good, that I think could right the ship even more in Houston. They're, they're in first place. That's crazy. The they're, twins are just they're five hundred. Another weird situation. That whole division is that it whole is, division's yeah. wild. Guardians are in first with a forty-five and forty-five record. Minnesota's a half game back at forty-five and forty-six. You know what the Twins need? They need more mound visits. They'd be in first place if Correa was visiting that mound more well, often. Auto for Christian Vasquez. Let's do it. I'll do it right now. No. No, no, no. If I'm no, if you're trading Maldonado, oh, right. I don't want to catch her back. Well, you also got Vasquez's contract no. for a couple more years. I don't want to give Dusty another reason not to play Yiner Diaz behind the dish. I agree, but no, I want to. No, I'm not going to say that. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I have a little bit of a dilemma with like the arm versus bat conversation. And then, what are the moves that you're making immediately after the All Star break? What do the Astros need to do? Uh, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. What do the uh, Astros have to do immediately after? The All-Star break. 713-780-3776. Climbing's Tal Hill. Here's their four. Strike early for a starting pitcher. Their second one's fine, a left-handed hitting power bat. That's like the conversation yeah. we've been having yeah. for three weeks. I'm. This conversation's a weird conversation because the Astros have the second-best pitching ERA in baseball. The offense is 13th in runs per game. So, like, if you just take that, which is very, very surface level, I understand, you, you think that the Astros need a, a bat. And you just watch the Seattle series where it doesn't seem like you could have scored at all, but you pitched four good games. Well, three good games because you had the 10-run game and mixed in there as well with Hunter Brown. Like, it doesn't get the feel, and the numbers would tell you that a bat is more imperative than pitching, than, than starting pitching. My stance on this, though, is why are we picking between one of them? Like, you should always be looking to help all aspects of your baseball well, and, team. and especially how Dana kind of goes about his business. He's, he's kind of set the table for everybody to believe it's insurance across the board. Well, if it's insurance across the board, then everything's on the table. I need to go get a bat. I need to go get a starting pitcher. And then, like you said, if you want a luxury, then even try and get yourself an extra relief arm. But right. the thing is, you need both. And, and as much as what you just said is true in the regular season, to me, good pitching beats good hitting anyway. And, and I believe that you need the kind of solid starting pitching because this offense is going to get two huge jolts when you get Altuve and Jordan back. But this pitching staff doesn't have, no matter what Arquiti can do when he comes back, I don't know that this pitching staff is still complete with insurance policies enough that I have the same confidence. So I, that's why I prioritize pitching first. Yeah. I, I probably lean bad. 
because I saw the Astros go to the World Series with, one, they won the World Series with a disastrous bullpen in 17. We saw them go to the World Series with, like, an iffy Fromber Valdez and Luis Garcia at the top of the staff. Like, I think that the Astros, especially with the bullpen and once you get into the postseason baseball where you are quick to go to that bullpen, I think the Astros, I think they're good enough. I, I really do. And maybe maybe I'm silly for thinking that. I, I, the offense, to me, is not quite there. Now, you're getting bats back offensively. You're not getting arms back, really, with the pitching staff. Like, Jose Arquiti, we all agree, is like, he's a rotational guy for you back into the rotation. That's what you're getting back from a pitching staff perspective. Offensively, you're getting back two huge names. You're getting back Jose Altuve, straw that stirs the drink, and you're getting back Jordan Alvarez, who might be one of the best offensive players in all of baseball. So I think that's probably why some people rather go arm versus bat is that you're getting Altuve and Jordan back and you feel like that offense can be really, really good. If you use Yiner at catcher more than Maldi, there gives you another offensive upgrade. So now those are things that we used to focus on that and we were worried about that. Now he looks like he's he's, more of what we were expecting him to be. Mm -hmm. So you look like, look, there are signs that without making a move, you're getting two all-star caliber guys infused into your lineup that should make a difference yep. you're not doing that with the pitching staff so that's where i would have some concern ocho says do the astros have enough assets to make multiple moves I for think, rentals i said yes i think so and it also depends on the quality of those guys like if you're let's just look at the player pool of draft of uh tradable players at the deadline and let's break them down into tiers I think the Astros can trade for two tier Bs and one tier C, whether it's, you know, the bat that's the tier B, whether it's the arm that's a tier B, and then a back end of the bullpen guy or, or like a middle reliever that's your like your C-level guy. Look, look, look what the Braves did the year where they won the World Series over the Astros and all of their outfielders got hurt. Acuna was hurt, right. and they traded for like Eddie Rosario. They traded for Jock Peterson. They didn't give up a lot of talent for those that's guys. Not, that's my point. For rentals, you're going to get quality and above average quality you're just not going to expect to have them around for multiple years, but that's what you need to get through this year. You already know that going past this year, you have guys on the cusp of being everyday players for you that are going to solidify positions for you. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing for me is we don't have a clue what Michael Brantley is going to be or if he's going to be anything for this team. Yeah, That's the one question mark offensively because if you get him and you know you're going to have him, now you the the urgency for a bat is even less in my opinion. Now it's all focused on if I just ramp up my pitching a little bit, this is a World Series. Team. I don't think they can. I don't think Brantley can enter the conversation when they're attacking the trade deadline because nope. Michael Brantley might not even pick up a baseball bat before the August first trade deadline. To me, and we we've talked about this a little bit, but prior to this, but to me, once we cross that threshold of the All Star break. I've written off Michael Brantley. Same. Uh, he is completely uh, an afterthought to me that could be one of those really, really clause-filled insurance policies. Like, there's so much that has to go right for him to actually to actually be a guy that he still might be able to be a guy that helps you, but I'm not relying on him. I'm not counting on him, and if he does, it's no. just a massive extra boost. If I'm Dana Brown, I've eliminated the thought of Michael Brantley being on the active roster of the 2023 Astros. And if for some reason August 18th rolls around and Brantley's like, hey, I'm healthy to be on the Astros, I crossed the bridge that day. Right. But Michael Brantley, I've, if I'm Dana Brown, I've eliminated for any possibilities of him making the active roster. And if I have to make a difficult decision by some miracle if he makes it back, I'll do it then. Because at the, at, you know, it goes back to a conversation we had a few weeks ago. Whether I was the one that was completely, I'm not willing to accept that. I'm not thinking about that. I want him back, and I want him you know, to be at a certain level if he does come back. He, he strengthens your bench. 
He's very expensive. He's your Montero on the bench. He costs you a, a lot more than he should, but if he's a reliable bat off the bench that could give you at-bats in the playoffs when you need him, that's outstanding. But I'm totally with you. I, I, I've said this. I'm sticking to it. Once the All-Star break gets here and we're done with it, mm-hmm. Michael Brantley, I'm done with him too. And anything that he tries to do, can do, or will do is just an insurance policy down the road. Did y'all see him in the dugout this week? I don't think I did. Because we've seen him a lot, a lot in the dugout. I didn't see him in the once dugout Once they this said week. that they were going to shut him down again for a few days, I, I haven't, I didn't haven't see seen him, him since? No. Because we he saw him He was on the last lot. road trip. He was on the last road trip. Now, on this last homestand, once they came home, I did not see him. Yeah, I didn't see him either in the dugout. Uh, the other two that Climbing's Tal Hill had on this, be aggressive and getting bullpen depth at once. I- I'm with like I'm with that, too, because right now, even at full health, like you're still carrying a Renel Blanco or a Brandon Belak as your long guy. So there is room to add a reliever to the staff. And the last one they have, need to make a decision on Martin Maldonado, Corey Lee, and their catcher situation. Lee was an interesting name as opposed to Yiner Diaz. Because if you're trying to get more offense at the trade deadline, one way to add more offense to this team is by giving Yiner Diaz more at-bats at the catcher position. Like, your offense improves pretty substantially if Yiner Diaz is catching three of five games versus one of ten games. No, I agree. Look, I think that the greatest thing about Yiner is that he still hasn't come close to tapping his full potential. But what you've seen enough of is that he's a major league hitter. And he under, he's going to, as he, he, maybe he doesn't even completely understand how to hit. But what we understand is that's even more of a reason to be optimistic about him being even better down the road. But this guy needs to be in the lineup every day because since Jordan's been out and Altuve's been in and out and down again, the one guy that you know is going to bring pop to the plate and bring, be a guy that uh, defenses fear is, is Yiner Diaz. And, and that is so substantial for, substantially meaningful to a team like this. With these kind of injuries they're dealing with, he's got to be in the lineup every day. Uh, yeah, I I agree. At least four out of like five starts, I think. Yeah, you can give him the the you yeah. know the dusty day off that he gets, but other than that, you got to have him in the lineup. And to be fair, he's been playing almost every day with with Jordan yeah. out. Uh, Alex says that he did see Uncle Mike in the dugout this weekend. Dab said he saw him next to Julia, so I guess okay. he was in the dugout. That's, That's yeah, it's it's better than not being in the uh, in the dugout. Versace says the Astros only have the the ability to make one trade. I disagree. I disagree. I, I, there's prospects in this system that aren't like top 100 prospects in baseball, but there's prospects in the system that can give you a B C level rental at the trade deadline. We see it each and every year. And then someone texting in saying that Dana said he wouldn't trade assets for a rental. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. I thought he said he wouldn't trade like their top prospects right, for rentals. Right. Not necessarily not like prospect eight through twenty in their system. You're going to go and realize when every organization from the time that kids are draft eligible does their homework on every player and realize teams that are either starting a rebuild, already in the middle of a rebuild, or trying to get younger have eyes on your high A and double A talent. And and if all it takes is one or two of those guys to get one of the guys that's a rental for you that pushes you over the top for this year, either with a bat or an arm, it'll get done. And there's guys that are available that you can get for... Okay, prospects. Yeah, like a Again, B- we keep, BC level prospect. We keep focusing on lefties. I think one of the names, and it's going to depend on how they do that last week up to the deadline. But I look at someone like JD Davis. If I know oh, we want Astros, lefty, yeah. but like left field, right field, or left field, yeah, left field, third base, first base. Like he's hitting two seventy seven this year. Like that's someone that could be easily attainable on a one year deal. That you could go out and he ain't going to cost you anything. So like if the Giants sell. 
I think he'd be a great fit for what this team needs, honestly. See, I think that even when you take a Bellinger and just you think, you call him a field? different name. You think he can play off? I don't think J.D. Davis think is an outfielder on the Astros. In, he could be a left fielder. He's here. not going to be a left fielder in the playoffs. Yeah. Maybe Alvarez for the most part. He would DH and Jordan would play yeah, left. Exactly. Yeah. It's probably the scenario that you're getting them both in the lineup. I just, you know, when, when I look at that, just take the name Cody Bellinger away. But say for every Cody Bellinger, there are other guys across the league, but Bellinger's the guy because his, the Cubs aren't very good. Uh-huh. That you say, hey, he's on a one year deal. He, he's trying to prove it, but he plays multiple positions. He's everything you need, and he could be attainable because the Cubs realize he's going to go elsewhere at the end of the year anyway, and they want to get something for him. To where you could give up a, a couple double A prospects or a prospect here and there on a couple different levels, you can get a guy like that, and he's going to be so much more valuable for you, and it doesn't cost you one of your top five uh, farm guys. Yeah, it depends on the tier that they are. For I'm gonna I'm gonna put together a trade candidate list in the next couple of days. Uh, last segment today, I'm gonna get your guys uh, input on which teams we can include. Like who's going to be who's already out? Yeah, because yeah, uh, there's some interesting teams that I need your help on. A four two seven one would Verdugo be expensive? Somebody else mentioned Yelich. Both of those guys would be expensive. Verdugo has another year of club control too. Yeah. I think Verdugo would actually Yelich signed expensive. a Jordan deal well before a Jordan deal, but he got paid, and he so he's still way upwards of twenty some million dollars a year. Josh from Seabrook, one move that is needed for the Astros to succeed this year. Dusty needs to see the light and bench Maldi in favor of Yiner. I think a lot of Astro fans would have that conversation. Uh, would he actually had a little jump behind the plate the other, during the weekend where I was like, oh, my goodness, he actually hustled after a baseball. I haven't seen that in weeks. You no, know, he hit two home runs. And look, I, I get annoyed with the Yiner-Maldi haters. Like, this conversation, like, makes people want to have Yiner have a bad day at the plate, and then the Yiner truthers want Maldi to be bad. Like, Love them both, Yeah, right? you can love them both. You can have an opinion, but, like, don't root against either player. No, I think I it's mean, silly. Look, I still want Maldi doing all the work behind the scenes and all the you know all the analytics and the research and and analyzing every player every at bat. I, I want Yiner to be your primary catcher, and I want Maldi to give him all that information to come in late in games. I can't remember what game it was, but do you remember Maldonado? It was in the series. Fastball, middle, middle, bounced off his glove, rolled away fifteen feet. I don't know if I remember that one, <laughs> but I saw enough of the the lack of effort on blocking, and then. He basically knew, and it was similar to that, where there was a very catchable ball, and it slid through his legs, and he popped up finally and went, because he knows he's feeling the heat. He knows that everyone is clamoring to yeah. see more Yiner. There was a fastball middle-middle. that like It didn't cost him a base. like The runner didn't advance, but it hit him in the mitt. Middle-middle fastball and rolled 10 feet We might be talking him. about the same thing. It was ridiculous. 713-780-3776. It might have, because he did hustle after that one. He was embarrassed. Uh, HRP listener line. Will of Bits. We'll see what Joe and the Will have in store for us next. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. I'm going to get me some kibbles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. It's time for overrated, underrated, proper rated. Here's Joel and Jeremy and Joe. <laughs> what are we calling the voice guy? The little robot voice? Robot voice. What did robot voice say? Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Okay. S2D2. Well, that's is he S2E? That's pretty good. Is he S2E? We don't know. He's but he's, just, but he, S2E's part of our show, so we can be an S2D2. He never has uh he never has takes. He never has a, he never has answers. But S2D2 would be like a good mascot for the yeah. show. S2D2. And we're not I mean he's just like down the middle, right? We don't yeah. know if he's high right. S2E, we don't know if he's low S2E because yeah. he's always right down the middle. He's, he's either S2E S2 or he's D2E. S2D2. All right, let's go with it. All right, so I got three things here. We're going to do kind of a all-star break edition of overrated, underrated, properly rated. 
We're going to start with a guy that I think is one of the – I'm just going to say I think he's underrated, this player. Mm. Ronald Acuna Jr., first player ever with 20 home runs, 40 stolen bases, and 50 RBIs at the All-Star break. Okay. Is he overrated, underrated, properly rated? Because I think the answer is underrated. He's the second best player in Major League Baseball. I was going to say because then you're going to say that Otani is underrated. I think people know Otani is the best player right. in baseball. No, I don't think. I think he's mm. underrated. I think. I think. I think Ronald Acuna is underrated. Ronald Acuna right now is the second best player in Major League Baseball. I'm not sure if you asked 500 baseball casuals if they would have an average of Ronald Acuna being number two. I agree. I think. I think Ronald Acuna is underrated. Like he's better than Trout. He's better than Judge. He's and the, those I think would be the two guys that you would see most commonly put in front of him. He's the second best player in baseball. I don't think it's an argument. I think people are sleeping. On his entire season. There's no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. And I think that because he's been hurt in the past and because the Braves, weirdly I say this because they used to be on Superstation to be one of the only teams you could watch. People don't see the Braves all that much to know how good they've been and the streaks they've been on. And, and again, credit to Dana Brown as being a part of some of the ways that they put that team together. But they have so much talent and they have youth. They have contracts that are good now with guys locked up. Uh, and I think Ronald Acuna Jr. is almost like a best-kept secret as good as a season he has. So I would say he's underrated, too. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting how his second half goes because the guys you're comparing him to, Joe, have both been hurt as well. But Trout wasn't doing it regardless. Uh, so you know, and Judge again with the toe injury. I mean, if he hits 20 home runs, he'll be the first guy to have a 40-40 season since Alfonso Soriano in 2006. Soriano was noted for like having like this one of the heaviest yep. bats. Yep. In the in baseball, and what that 06 is that. Rangers, Soriano? I don't know if that's Rangers or Yankees. Yankees, Cubs. He was Yankees, Rangers, Cubs. A-Rod got his 40-40 with Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, Soriano was the last one to do it. It's 2006, which I mean, I know stolen bases are down, but that's a... Did he do it as a Cub? I was going to say, I I thought it was either either Cubs or Yankees. Oh, he did it as a... He did it... He did it as a... (laughs) We're all wrong. As a Mariner? No. No? No. He played with one team. Oh, the Nationals. Se- the Nationals. He did it as a member of the did Washington he really? Nationals. He played one year with the Nationals. They signed him to a massive contract after he left the Yankees, and they dumped it. No, he went from the Yankees right. to the Rangers to the Nationals to the Cubs. Wow. Yeah. He, he was 30 Were years old. Were the Nationals old. good that year? I let me look. The, 2006? Uh, he came yeah. close to do he, With the Yankees in 02, he had 39 homers, 41 stolen bases. That was in 02. And then in 06, he had 46 homers and 41 stolen bases. No, they were 71 and 91. Wow. Their manager was Frank Robinson, and their GM was Jim Bowden, and their scouting director was Dana Brown. Was it wow. really? Wow. How about that? Yeah, and then he wild. signed with the Cubs in 2007. I love Alfonso Soriano. 06. Empty 40-40 year. <laughs> he won nothing. 71 games. <laughs> it means nothing. He was swinging like a Willie Stargell Dave Parker yeah, bat, that's too. Right. Yeah. That's yes, right. this is the heaviest bat in all of baseball. Yep. Uh, overrated, underrated, properly rated. The home run derby, overrated. I'm done with the home. I think run they've derby. ruined it. Yeah, I used to love the home run derby. You don't Back even see the where brackets, the ball goes the anymore. Outs. Yeah, like the the part of the home run derby that was fun was like the the magnificent deep fly ball that like bounced off of the building at Camden Yards. Like watching the majestic towering home run was like the magic of the home run derby. Now they're racing. They're doing it all They get out of breath. They get worn out. They're swinging too much and they know they got to swing quickly and then there's the gimmicky of the bonuses and the it's like the three-point contest with all the bonus balls and the four-point balls and all the other things. 
I think it's just. I think it's got to be too much. It's completely overrated. I, Go back to basics. Give me the ten outs. That it, was so much better. It was just. It was too long, and like they went with the clock to make it faster because guys were. It was taking too long to get the outs. Just giving them a certain number of pitches. The problem is, is that if you have the event for the event instead of a made-for-TV event, then you can do whatever you want because you're not worried about the time and the time between pitches and, and how long a guy takes when he's at the plate before you get to the next guy. But because of the TV element, it's gotten all mucked up. I think they've made it like it was too long, but now you see so little because the camera's just swinging back and forth with the amount of pitches these guys are seeing. You're right. A lot of times we're watching the majestic a, shot Jeremy's talking yeah. about. By the time it lands, the guy's hitting another home run or hitting yeah. another and out. And you're not even Hate seeing it. sometimes a swing. Like it, They went from worried about being a bad TV product because it was on for four and a half hours to it being a bad TV product because it's just literally unwatchable now. Yeah, Plus, you get. I mean, what's Mookie going to do in the home run contest? I think you got the wrong kind of guys in it, too. Like when you had the big powerhouse hosses that hit monstrous home runs, that was part of the draw. It was like you want to see the biggest, best home run hitters in baseball crushing bombs. And now you know that Mookie, and of course without his video coordinator, he's probably going to be half man anyway. But, he, you know, he's just going to be hitting those dinkers that get, barely get over the rail. And I will say, like, it's a pretty good group. Like, Luis Robert can hit tanks. Adley Rushman should be exciting. Pete Alonzo, Julio Rodriguez, Mookie Betts, Vlad Jr., Adolis Garcia, Rosarena, like that's a pretty solid yeah. one through eight, to be honest. Did you see Julio Rodriguez taking early BP? No, and he was practicing home run derby before real BP before one of the games this week. No, I missed that. I wouldn't have liked that. That was an he astro. Well, and he got hurt last yeah. year. Yeah, strange is back. I guess he could have gotten hurt. I'm, yeah, I'm he was kind of surprised. He's he was back. He was having home run derby. Well, he's in Seattle. Maybe I know, but he got he hurt last year. But the like the owner gave him a hug and talked about Dude, how proud yeah. he was after it. Like, you're so about, backwards in that city. If this All Star game was anywhere else, I'll pass. That's, I think he, but because he's playing in Seattle, he's gonna he's gonna not only it's like the year that we had it here and and Berkman was in the finals. Yeah, like I mean, I, I think that that's what he's trying. He he knows it's in front of his home crowd. That city, that city's so backwards, man. Like yeah. they celebrate home run derby. Did he even win it? I think he finished runner up. I think you're right. And uh, like they celebrated to a former uh, to a, uh, to I mean, a an Astro. You're talking about what Ber- Berkman no, last did it? year? Julio oh, Rodriguez. Last year. Did he win it? Oh no, he did not. He did not win he it. Lost. Alonzo's uh, Alonzo's won it twice already. Was he win last year? Maybe J Rod was runner up to, but even if he won it, uh, like Juan Soto won. Yeah, last Soto year. won it. They're yep. celebrating Julio Rodriguez for hitting lots of home runs in a home run derby, and then he hits the IL immediately afterwards. They celebrate series victories over the Astros in the regular season. I... They get swept out of the postseason. They boo the Houston Astros being on the clock at the MLB draft. Well, that city well, you know, is so of, backwards. I, I, I know what say. part of that was though. The highlights when they, each team pops up, they they run highlights of yeah. like great moments. The highlights they were running when they announced the Astros are on the clock was Jordan's complete tank job to, to win the the, uh, the game here in Houston, and that's what gave them a lot of the boo. I will say they did a great job booing Rob Manfred last but night. They, booing, they, 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 they did, but I they mean, also... At one point, he barely could talk. But then Rob Fraud had to make the face after they started booing the yeah. Astros. Get the hell out of here. I think, I, he, I think it's like part of the reason why... I get why the commissioners probably hate it. Because in that moment, as they're booing the Astros like that, you are kind of ruining a kid's moment. Like e- even as he's booing, you're booing the first pick. Like that kid has, you're just booing Rob Manfred. Then don't have Manfred do it. 
than have than have a designated that's stupid on Major League Baseball. I'll tell you what you Agreed. do. I'll tell you exactly what you do. You have Ken Griffey Jr. do the entire first round. Yeah. Ain't nobody booing. Yeah. I forgot that last year Albert Pujols beat Kyle Schwarber in the first round of the home run derby. He did. I forgot that he was in it. They were experimenting <laughs> with the, the bats and the goldie balls for Pujols the second half. Uh, last one I got here, I think it's just an NFL commentator. He's one of baseball. the best of all time, but he sucks so bad. At the home run derby, I think Chris Berman becomes overrated. I hate the back, 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 back. Somebody just texted that. So Chris Berman, overrated, yeah. underrated, properly rated. Zero one seven zero. I couldn't stand Chris Berman in his back, 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 yes. back, back. <laughs> so as a whole, I think Chris Berman ruins his legacy with the home run derby. So Chris Berman, overrated, underrated, properly. Are you still on it? Is just in uh, general. Isn't Jeremy's favorite guy doing it? Yeah, probably. No, but just in general, Chris Berman. I heard Ravitch was on one yesterday with the Astros. Yep. I was watching he him. He was part of it. Because I don't watch that trash known as Carl Ravitch. And the, the Kyle guy that's the glorified Little League baseball announcer was jumping on board and squashing yeah. on the Astros. And everybody that wears every other jersey than that one is going to have something to boo about there. Mm, Go back and call that, Little League baseball, you twerp. That's why I'll watch him. will be network. Can't stand Carl Ravage. Uh, Carl uh, Berman, Berman's overrated. I think to me. I think he's overrated in everything. Honestly, yeah, I think agreed. everything has run its course. Right, all yeah. of the 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 cutesy nicknames for all the players, and the uh, the Keith Jackson did it first, rumbling bumblings, and all the and the back back backs. It had a time and a place where it was fun for people. It's definitely not anymore. The best one was uh, what was Berman's best nickname? Oh man, I can't think of. My, I think it was Bert. Be home by eleven. That is pretty. That good. was the best one, but the all the other ones were awful, like uh, Jeff Bagpipes, well or whatever. Like those were all bad. But the the Burt be home by eleven was, I think, his best one. I mean, the the thing about Chris Berman is that like he, like part of my take, they do their two minute drill every Monday during football season, making fun of of Berman and Jackson. <laughs> but the thing is, is they do it making fun of them, and they do it better than those guys, and it's hilarious. Ocho, like, it's one of the funniest things on the planet. What was your best Bermanisms? Ocho said Eric sleeping would be enemy. That one's pretty good. That's pretty good, too. Uh, Mike <laughs> that Pe- pretty good. <laughs> Mike Pepperoni Piazza. That's a good one. Mm. I like that. You know, I used to know a lot of them, and now it's been, again, it's so dated oh. and so far back that I, I think it's running. Oh, I've got a list of 20 here. All right, we'll bring them. Let's, let's do it on the other side. other side. Who was your favorite ESPN guy? All time? Like like sports center. Guy. He's still on right now. It's it's SVP. He's the goat. Oh I man, I love Stuart Scott. I, I love Stuart too. Love but. Stuart. You know who? You know who's very very underrated. Who was the dude that got the? Uh, I met the late Stu show? and he was unfortunately not a great guy. Don't, don't meet your heroes. Right. Who was the guy? My hero, was it? Uh, who was the guy that had the late night TV show? Oh, uh, Craig Kilborn. Craig Kilborn was oh, underrated. He was actually pretty good. <laughs> he was great. actually pretty good. He had some sneaky comedy uh, he threw yeah. in there. Yeah, I thought before Dan Patrick got too big for his britches, Dan Patrick doing highlights and some of the way he sarcastically threw stuff in there was really good. I love Craig Kilborn. Like, I would watch his late show. Like, he was he was underrated funny. You know what? He hated sports. Really? Yeah, he got the That's opportunity got with the ESPN, TV. and then he actually used it as a stepping stone to get back out of sports and into entertainment. Yeah. Now look at funny. it. 713-780-ESPN. It's the HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Uh, we'll do the best Bermanisms. Also, we'll get your help. Which teams will be sellers at the MLB trade deadline? Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Look, Apollo Men's Health is expanding because of all the people that want to get there and get the help and be better on a daily basis. Apollo Men's Health now has an opportunity for you to go to League City if it's closer to you to get the help that you need on a daily basis. Do you need more energy in your life? Do you need help kind of figuring out and navigating through the gym and seeing your improvements and how you're actually getting better? Do you want to recover quicker? Do you want to lose weight up to six pounds a week? 
They have ways that are FDA approved right now, like semi-glutide, that can help you do what you need to do. The bottom line is they're trying to help you get more accomplished on a daily basis. Take better care of yourself, and with that, take care of others around you because of the way you're able to perform. From the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom, if you have issues and problems, they have solutions and results, and all it takes is you getting online and going to ApolloMH.com. See all the services that they offer. If there's a few that you think could help you, sign up for your first appointment. When you do, you're going to find out most major insurance is accepted. There's discounts for military personnel and first responders. You mentioned my name, Joel Blank. You get a free B12 shot on your first visit or a free body composition analysis. But then go in and be honest with them when they ask you tough questions. Figure out where you're lacking, where you need help, and they can figure out a plan that works and get you the results you need. They're good people doing great things on a daily basis. Check them out today. They're the good people at Apollo Men's Health. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. All right, what are the best Bermanisms? Give it to us, Joe. These are just the nicknames he's got. We got Harold Growing Banes. That one's not bad. Daryl Strawberry Shortcake. It's okay. Too easy. Mike Pepperoni Pizza. Eh. Jeff Philadelphia Feagles. Pretty good. Moises skip to my Lou. Okay. That's not bad. Joseph live and let a die. <laughs> Solid. Raleigh chicken fingers. Chuck the new kids on the Knoblock. I like that one. I like that one. Houston native. Matt's, yeah. Matt stump the shop. Bel Air, right? Yeah. Uh, Jake Matt what? Stump the shop. Eh. Uh, Jay, oh, I love this. Jake, daylight coming. You got a delong. That That's good. really good. That one's pretty good. Uh, Sammy, say it ain't Sosa. Todd, the highway to Helton. That's good. <laughs> uh, Miguel, Tejada, they come. Tejada, they one's fall. That one's solid. Yeah. Ahmed, a Christmas Carol. Eh. Jeff, brown paper Bagwell. That's what it was. Brown paper Bagwell. The, he he used bagpipes, I think, too. Yeah, but. I think I think you're right. Yeah. The well dressed Amani Tumor. Mike, you're in good hands with Allstott. That's good. <laughs> Albert Winnie the Pujols. Eh, it's kind of a soft name for yep. a slugger. Uh, Greg Mathematics. That one fits. Pretty good. That's not bad. That's Scott. Enough. That's enough for a day. Scott, super califrigilis expialibrocious. Bermanisms or. That's good. That's, 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 I look, as I was looking at the word, Try I was like, say yeah. that in the I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Uh, Bermanisms or um, John Sterling calls, home run calls. Oh, Bermanisms over the I'll take the John Sterling home run calls. Oh, really? Oh, Oh, yeah. I think they're hilarious. I don't think you should do them in a major league baseball. The guy that did them in hockey, was it for the Panthers? Waka waka. Who is your dad and what does he do? I think it was the Panthers. The guy for the Panthers was good. Yeah, that guy was <laughs> – those were funny. Yep. Like, again, I don't know if I want them in my calls, which, by the way, he also did a Maul the Meatloaf. The Florida Panthers guy did Maul the Meatloaf Honestly, before Honestly, the, the Blummer does it? Yeah. Is that Vince Vaughn? Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 it's Farrell. Oh, Will Farrell. Yeah, but it's in it's in Wedding Crashers, I believe. Yeah. If the Pan- if, the, if the NHL gets a hockey team, option one, Jeremy Branham, option two, the Florida Panthers guy. Yeah, I'll take the Florida Panthers guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go Florida Panthers guy. Um, I need your help. I'm, I'm next day or two. I'm going to put together a list of Astros trade candidates because look, it's All Star break and the trade deadlines in a couple of weeks. But there's some teams I just don't know what to do with. I don't know if they're in the race. I don't know if they're going to be sellers. Like my rule of thumb is usually if they're within five games, I don't include them. But there's some teams that are difficult here. Angels, they're five back of the wild card. Are they sellers or not? 
They'll sell. I think they're selling, and I think that as much as it's been talked about, I still think, at a, especially with Trout Hurt, too, they're going to fade, and Otani's going to be gone. Okay. We'll go with the uh, Angels will be on the list. I'm probably not going to include Otani, though. Nope. Uh, Minnesota, they're only a half game back in the AL Central. They're five games back of a wild card. No, they're not I don't selling. think they're selling either. Okay. Tigers, 10 games back yep. of the wild card. So I'll put that For on sure. the list. White yep. Sox, mm-hmm. uh, Kansas City, yep. Yep. Oakland. Yep. yep. What about Boston? Boston's two back of the wild card. Yeah, they've they've had a very unexpectedly successful for season, even for them. I think they're going to stay in it. They might even be buyers. Okay, so no Boston. Nope. Yeah, I'll say no Boston. That's tough. Seattle four back. They're they're not. I think they're going to buy. No. I think Seattle's, Seattle's getting closer, run. and they already got a, a stocked up team. They're already in go for it mode. Yeah, they're not selling. Cash them or trash them. If they miss the playoffs, they fire Scott Service. Cash, cash. I think it's a no brainer, right? Yeah. yeah. Like Dave Martinez is going to get got no matter what. There you go. Service, I think if he mixes the playoffs, is going to be on that list. Hundred percent. All right, here's the the National League. Aaron Boone. Yeah, he's definitely About time. Aaron gets, Boone at the end of the year is going to get it. I mean, yeah. now, who they hired today? They are Sean, Sean Casey, Casey yeah. who's never coached before in his life as the hitting coach. Sean Casey was the biggest slap hitter I've ever seen in my life. Like, what are they going to try to teach that to Aaron Judge? Going to go Judge. the other way Sean for singles. Casey all liquored up at the aquarium when the All Star game was here. I, I, I never. Mind, I'm not going to say that. How was he? <laughs> Uh, National League. All right, so you have like Atlanta, the Dodgers, Cincinnati, division leaders, your wild card teams as of now, Miami. So Miami's not a seller, that right? That sucks. They're 53 and 39. They need a catcher for the future, so that sucks. Miami has the second best record in the NL. That's unbelievable. Like man. they're not selling. So Solaire Dreams, kiss them goodbye. Yeah, those are over. Arizona, they're the wild card. San Fran's the wild card. Uh, Philly, Milwaukee, half games back. They're still. They're not. They're they're both buyers, not sellers. Sandy. Okay. Although Corbin Burns, if they know that they can't re-sign him, they will consider offers to take a boatload for him. I'm gonna say Milwaukee's a seller. They were in first place last year when they traded Hater. And I, I don't. And I know he was not as good in Milwaukee as he had been in the past. He was still pretty good. So are you, are you putting the Brewers on here or not? I think the, I, and the Brewers are going to – I'll put them more sellers than buyers simply because I think the Corbin Burns situation. Yeah. Corbin Burns is going to force his hand. They're not going to want him paying big money long years, and they'll trade him to get something for him before he walks. All right. We'll put Milwaukee on the list. Yeah. San Diego, six games back in the final wild card. <laughs> They're not selling. They're buying, buying, buying. They're already so far in, they can't get out. They're going to chase some bad money? Yeah. Yep. No question. All right. I, I, I lean with you guys. Cubs, Sell. six and a half back. Sell. Okay, so Joe's the second favorite. Team Cubs are sellers. selling, Nationals are selling, and the Rockies are selling. Mets, seven back. Nope. Nope, they won't. The Cohen won't let them. I'm going to say no. I think right. they should be a yes, but I think the, I think I think sell. Cohen, I will, think Cohen is the reason they say no. Pittsburgh? Sellers. St. Louis? Sellers. Washington? Sellers. Colorado? Sellers. Okay, we got our list. Angels, Tigers, White Sox, Royals, A's, Brewers, Cubs. perfectly timed. Um... Pirates, Cardinals, Nats, Rockies. I'll, I'll, I'll report back to you guys. See what y'all think. What's the wheelhouse leading off with today? Home run derby talk. Odds and and the chances for success with predictions. Joe? Which Houston Texan would win the home run derby? Which member of the home run derby would be the best Houston Texan? And how adding that member would lead the Texans to 10 wins? 713-780-3776. Let them know what's up. All right, it's going to do it for us. Thanks to Joe George for doing all the hard work. He's blank. I'm Branham. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston. The Wheelhouse is next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.